Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. Gather family, uh, excited to be with you uh, and, and really talk through another one of our uh, distinctives or our kind of sentences in our statements of faith. Um, and this week, uh, one of the things that uh, I love about our statement of faith is that it was kind of a informal slash formal conversation uh, of who our church was and where our church uh, is and was headed, and just kind of maybe some some guideposts to to push us in a direction uh, to where we can be uh, a safe uh, space where people can grow and not defend or pretend or be their truest selves. Uh, and learn what it means to practice the way of Jesus uh, amidst that growth and amidst those shifts and changes. And uh, today, my statement of faith, or our statement of faith, the part that I'm going over, is that we are seeking a, a faith built on a foundation of theological minimalism. And we believe in holding tight the first things of the faith and living open-handed with the rest. So it was in the late 20th century where we began to see uh, this idea of minimalism come come into being or come into space, right? Uh, it really started a long time ago with art and aesthetics, but uh, within kind of the last 20 years or so, it has become uh, something that is at the forefront of uh, our culture, social media, Netflix, whatever it might be. Uh, and the, the premise behind this idea of minimalism was that uh, less is more, uh, or that maybe we can experience more if we have less, uh, or even maybe if we uh, paint with less color, um, or maybe we even paint with less lines and less distraction, uh, that we can see the true meaning in the painting. And so this idea of less is more a quality over quantity, uh, and a lot of us maybe even have uh, watched the Netflix, right, Marie Kondo, the idea of maybe a lot of you have followed the teachings of Marie and have said thank you to a lot of the clothes uh, or things that you had that you should not have had in the first place, uh, or whatever it might be, but this idea of minimalism uh, was something that was at the forefront and still is, and I believe that actually can and is impactful for us and can shift uh, how we live our lives and, and the fulfillment that we have in them. Uh, the Minimalist, uh, which is a podcast uh, in a group, a duo, uh, who wrote a book, but they ha had a quote that really would describe what they believe minimalism was and the purpose of it. And he said this, he said, minimalism is a tool to rid yourself of life's excess in favor of focusing on what's important. So you can find happiness, fulfillment, and freedom. And so as we were talking uh, in these conversations, Josh and I, um, 
One of the things that kept coming up within our community is the idea of decolonization of their faith or deconstruction of their faith uh, and trying to figure out kind of how to pick and mend the pieces back together. What does this mean now that I don't see things the same way that I used to? Now that I don't believe all the things or all the tenets of the faith that I used to believe, what does it mean for me now that I don't believe in the same way? And like minimalism, this idea um, of getting rid of the excess and the more to experience and cherish the less and the things that really uh, kind of mean the most to us. So just kind of getting rid of the excess to create space for what truly matters. I believe Jesus uh, teaches us. This, this is what the conversation was coming to of this idea that Rabbi Jesus teaches us what that looks like. In Matthew 22:36-40, Jesus was asked, Teacher, which is the greatest command in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm going to pick this up. We're friends here. And all the prophets hang on the two commandments. Jesus, uh, in his teaching and the way that he interacted with people is where I learned the term or came to the term of theological minimalism. That he was a rabbi that was immersed uh, within a community that uh, was immersed in cultural and intellectual Judaism. They knew all the books. They were raised in these schools, raised up to be students of the rabbi, followers of Yahweh. And this was a space where normally any prophet was killed or outcasted because they went against many religious and cultural norms. That this idea of, of who God is, a lot of times, right, God would send his messengers to speak to his people and they would reject the messengers and the same with Jesus. Maybe you had experience teaching um, or at least trying to help somebody who knows it all. Somebody who is a proficient and maybe lets you know that they're a little bit uh, too proficient. Maybe they're even more proficient than you. You see, Jesus' default within this community was that the religious systems and institutions you have created or they have created on behalf of God have been conduits of oppression. And Jesus was always trying to move people from the apathy of religious practice or the corrupt perks uh, that hyper-religiosity afforded some in this space to understand that what it means to follow me is that you would live into the kingdom and the way of life in the kingdom is liberation, freedom, and fulfillment. So just as the minimalist said, this idea of freedom is what theological minimalism is about. That this idea that we would uh, find more and less, that we would see that the two commandments of love God and love people 
is our default and is what we are called to do as a people. And the verse that always comes to mind when I think uh, about the hyper-religiosity and and not really uh, blaming Judaism for that, but this we as humans like to kind of create these spaces where we can feel confident and safe. And what Jesus was at some level doing, which is really uncomfortable, uh, is kind of tearing down the walls of comfort and safety, the walls of exclusion, Right, That if you did these 30 things, that within this community you are held high and affirmed. That Jesus was saying there should be different systems of affirmation. And in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, it says this. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. And I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Our desire as we talk through theological minimalism is that we would follow the lead of Jesus and moving us from this place of proficiency in belief to what we believe transforming the way we live. And that the simplicity of the way of Jesus, of loving God and loving people, would be at the front. What that meant for Jesus was to encompass all of the commands and love God and love people and all people without exception. Maybe you're asking, okay, I hear this idea of freedom and liberation. What does that mean for us? And again, going back to our conversation, the word deconstruction, as we begin to talk about it, for me at least, was constricting. And it didn't fully describe what was necessarily happening to me that it wasn't just about faith, but it was about how I couldn't get over that the church was a part of historical atrocities. For me, it was the added layer that I was not welcomed in all spaces within church communities, that the church was conduits of slavery, racism, sexism, classism, mass murder, segregation, say no to drug campaigns, mass incarceration, the exclusion of LGBTQIA plus friends. I was exhausted. I came to a point as if I felt that I was encompassed in God's plan for renewal, but I was not seen. And if I wasn't there, that I wouldn't be missed. And as I'm in the thick of kind of decolonizing and deconstructing my, deconstructing my faith, um, on this journey, I moved to Durham, North Carolina. Now, I remember sharing the story, and it was uh, a place where the Spirit shaped me in many ways that I'll never forget. There was this historic site by the name of Stagville Plantation, and within the 18th and mid-19th century, or to the mid-19th century, it was one of the largest plantations in the South. I remember as I walked through the slave quarters and experienced the eerie history 
and took breaths in the same place, people years and years and years ago who looked like me and possibly some of my family members and ancestors. I began to think the robust theology you've had to have as a Christian that was enslaved. That you, you, you literally had every obstacle in front of you through whether it be uh, things called the slave Bible that had abbreviated versions of the Bible. Uh, or maybe there are passages you could not read as a slave. You had every reason to not follow Jesus or even see Jesus as an oppressor as opposed to a liberator of all humanity. But every obstacle and uh, every hurdle that was placed in front of in front of this community and in front of the slaves, they couldn't stop the message. It couldn't stop the message that was uh, my ancestors' bondage and brutalization and subjugation and justified it for years and years and years. But that very message of bondage that was twisted and shaped is our very message of freedom. And James Cone says it like this, Black hope accepts history, but believes that the historical is in motion, moving toward a divine fulfillment. It is this belief that things can be radically otherwise than what they are. That reality is not fixed, but is moving in the direction of human liberation. To believe that there was hope in the midst of oppression meant that black slaves vision of the future was not limited to the present state of slavery. They looked beyond the condition of their servitude and perceived that the real meaning of their existence was still to come. The present moment of slavery was thus transcended by faith in God's future, a liberated future. So when I think of this word, of this term, theological minimalism, as Josh and I talked about, it came for me from my journey of decolonization, decolonizing my faith, seeing that there's a larger story out there and it's not just from the new world. <laughs> seeing that although our Christian history is tattered, nuanced, frustrating and hurtful, and different eyes see different things and different people have different experiences, For me, it was all summed up in love God and love people. The simplicity to see that there can be things that are radically otherwise than what they are right now. That theological minimalism creates space and does not constrict. It makes it simple, but makes it robust. And through it all, that Jesus being the embodiment of who God is and all of who God is, to where our distinctives don't get in the way of us loving people, that they should set us free to be more generous, to be our truest selves, to love well, but also to know that we're seen and we're known in God's plan. See, theological minimalism knocks down the barriers and the grounds for exclusivity. And so, Maybe for you, uh, as you continue to journey with us through our statement of faith, 
Maybe this term theological minimalism means something different to you. But my hope is that maybe you could remain curious. That maybe uh, the 30 or the 50 or the 100 distinctives that you live by or that maybe you, I believe, are, are essentials, right? That maybe we can knock a couple off and create a little bit more space. That maybe we can look through the lens of who Jesus is and see what it meant to love God and love people to create uh, longer tables. Maybe for you, it's not letting your distinctive get in the way of loving people well. So gather as we journey. Know that we believe that our community is set free by our statement of faith and not constricted. That simplicity and minimalism creates more space because you have less things. And that we would realize the things that we do have to love God and love people would be the most essential. And so, uh, love you guys. Peace. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.